podcast, Exploring Past Lives with Karen Joy. I am Karen Joy. For over a decade, I've been doing regressions with people who want to experience a past life and sometimes their life between lives. I'm the author of several books, including the groundbreaking book, Lost Soul, Wise Soul, How Our Challenging Past Lives Shape Our Future. In this unique podcast, I speak to people who have actually experienced one or more past lives. Some have also visited their life between lives, which is also known as the afterlife. Come with me now to learn what can happen in a past life regression, what a past life experience is like, how it unfolds, and how it impacts on our current lives. Okay, today we're very lucky to have with us Jeff, who did some regressions with me. And welcome, Jeff, to the podcast, Exploring Past Lives with Karen Joy. Thanks, Karen. Good to be here, mate. Yeah, well, it's lovely to interview you. And it's been a little while since we did that regression, isn't it? Was it back a few months ago? Yeah, so back in February, now in May. Um, yeah. So it's been three months of dust settling. Okay. And it's still settling. Perhaps. Yeah, still settling, definitely. Okay. Well, we're going to explore where you are at the moment after that interesting regression you had. So to start off, I'm just asking you about your spiritual perspective, like just your general global, how you came to have a spiritual perspective in the first place. Yeah, I mean, um, growing up, I didn't grow up in a... Like it's more like I was growing up in a um, drum-beating family where we sat in a circle and highly spiritual, and neither was it in a highly religious family. I'd probably put it in just a, you know, middle-class, almost scientific, agnostic, not even upbringing. And um, for me, you know, uh, I always probably had the uh, humans are always existential, right? So I think you always have the belief or would like to think that there's something more, whether or not you know that or not is a different thing. Um, and that was certainly throughout my teenage years that I'd kind of think of along those lines, nothing in an organised fashion or really organised thought, just that general hope really. Um, <laughs> and then when I was probably 18 or 19 in university, um, probably had a few more I can describe it as weird things that – I'm, I'm either split personality or you're you're getting stuff, and I don't think I'm the former. <laughs> okay, can you can you give us a bit of a, a taste of what that was like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not someone who is. I think what we covered up covered off in before the regression. I'm not someone that regularly meditates. I describe myself as being pretty in the flesh, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, grounded, pretty grounded, uh, and yeah, yeah. pretty grounded. Uh, even though I 100. percent I'm open to everything. Um, I don't think that anyone can claim to know everything. Um, but I'd often get weird stuff, um, particularly if I ever, you know, back at university where I still had time for napping. Uh, if I napped and coming out of that, you'd, I'd often get weird stuff in a nap. Okay. Um, and then likewise in nighttime, you know, staring in between sleeps, um, almost that between awakened asleep phase that I'd get things, you know. That's that hypnagogic state that we do get a lot of stuff, but sort of between, like you said, waking and sleep. The the probably the most iconic one for me was when I yeah I'll, I'll say with about nineteen, um, I I was napping in university and then literally um, heard almost bickering about actions that I was taking at the time between two males and a female voice all in my head, like as though it's literally in your in your right ear. I think almost my right ear. 
and I could hear these hear this English guy going, no, blah, he's doing this, like kind of you defending me and then a lady attacking kind of what I was doing at the time and kind of all, all that I uh, generally reflected on that and I, I actually got a um, – uh, I got kind of a knowing of who that male voice was, was that it was like a British um, male from like the 18th century odd and had a full full name and that he worked as a, um, as a, I want to say lumberjack, but not quite that, but yes, cutting down trees and then making wood, worked with timber um, and kind of had that knowing. I went, okay, I think that's, I don't know. You never know anything. But for me, I went, okay, I think I just overheard spirit guides uh, in that in that chat. And I've, I've never had anything since, to be clear. It's not like I've then had that experience regularly, but that was just an iconic one for me where, um, yeah, it was just weird because it was so physical in my ear while sleeping. And they were having a discussion about what you were doing. Yeah, I can't even. I'll have to ask my wife. I should have asked that before this, before the podcast. It makes me think of remember with some people in their life between lives when they go to their council of elders, right? Sometimes they'll go, like some people will be there with their council of elders and they'll go around and ask a question. Like they might ask a question about something. And one guide, so maybe there's five of them, and they'll, and it, they'll one will say, I think you should do X, and the other one will say, I think you should do Y. Well, not even I think you should do, they'd say that they'd give one view and then the other one would give the other view and they'd leave it up to the individual who was there. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to work out what to do. And so that that was always a bit confusing for people because they're wanting some, you know, specific guidance. Some, gui- some, some guidance about what you should do. But, but I guess maybe that's the journey, right, where you're given all the tools and you're still a human you've still got to make a decision on what you're going to do with your turn. That's right. You, it's the free will thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I still remember it was Robert, this English guy, being super displeased. It was him that was super displeased with. I, I can't even remember what I was doing, but he was super displeased with it. Um, so did not rate it at all. The other one was quite understanding about it. Yeah, it was you know the the support structure, you know. Um, so <laughs> how interesting. <laughs> in my mind, I, I I think I mentioned this to you before the regression. I consider myself a highly analytical individual. Um, when you start, you can't always explain away everything. And this is one of those moments in my life where you go, you really can't explain that. And yeah. therefore, it's got to be something you know, yeah, that we don't right. know. You know? Yeah. So, well, at least it helped to open you up. And uh, so that's a positive. Yeah. Yeah. Bingo. Um, uh, and then, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, and then just other, other strange things were then a part of that process is probably like six years later or five years later after that, as a, you know, 24 year old odd. Um, going to a, um, I guess the things you can't explain, getting getting put into like with using drums or trance, like in the Tibetan All right. yeah. bells and stuff like that, with a lady, a lady in the Dandenong Mountains that my wife's auntie had been to once and was kind of mates with. And then again, in that, I went to a bit of a trance and actually that had like a, a message that where my now first year daughter, and this all sounds just crazy in my head, but um, I had this like baby swirling around because we just miscarried, but then there was another spirit there which i kind of then knew was going to be our next kid which is my my eldest daughter now and she literally named herself to me as you know netta netta rose and then um uh the the weirdest thing a part of all that where she just flew named and told my wife and she loved the name blah um was that then the the actual name was my dad's mum's middle name and they passed away when he was like 
in his early 20s and he would never speak about them. Like I, I knew their first names and that's it. I, I knew nothing about them my entire life. Later you found out. Well, yeah, I brought it up with with um, my folks. I told them about how he reached this name and they said, no way, uh, you know, because like they're like, that's just ridiculous. So therefore another one of those times where you bolt on the, the things you can't explain. So it's not like in life I've had 20 of these. I've literally had several, yeah. but it's enough to make you go these massive significant things that you just can't explain. Yeah, well, I've, I've always had this view that we choose our name. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think somehow we get the message through. To, so that was that was pretty obvious, that one. Well, funnily enough, she's now she's saying, I don't like my first name, I want to run by middle, my middle name. And I'm kind of like, well, it's a bit rich. You named yourself. Well, maybe that there's a period in time when that one works and later on it might be the other one. So we'll see. True. So you came for a regression. Like, do you remember what impetus you had there? Yeah. Um, I was in a space and time where I run several, I guess, white-collar advisory businesses, and um, uh, I'd been in a space of time for many years where I wasn't overly happy with, I guess, the classic kind of things, the amount of work I was doing, but more importantly, I'm not a particularly material individual. It's not like we've got a Range Rover and a new car and we're trying to work hard to pay off all these crazy living bills, you know what I mean? I found myself strangely attached to the this business I'd created and kind of couldn't get myself out of it. And I genuinely felt like there was something holding me to that. And I'd worked for many years trying to remove myself from it, but no matter how hard I tried, like the actions kind of, they, it it was never kind of final, you know, it always kind of revert back and it was almost like being entrapped in your own web. Um, So I, I, I actually, it actually got to the point where I was rational enough to go, well, look, I've explored all these rational things and we've put all these things in place. And I, I felt like I couldn't get out of that web by my own and hence I took took the approach that I think there's something bigger that's actually holding me back in this um, and reached out to you. Okay. Um, not to say that that doesn't mean I'm accountable for day-to-day. It's just more that I felt like there was something. Something more. Okay. Well, we might go into that. We might have a look at the uh, past lives because you had several yeah. and might explore that and then we'll come back to this issue perhaps if that's okay. Yeah. 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 So you, you had several past lives and they're pretty interesting. Can you... Re- uh, just give us a description of what went on. For, for, for me, I, I I found it quite yeah, maybe it's this is the way everyone, everyone's brain works differently, um, you know, and that's kind of displayed by how they experience a regression. And I guess for me, from the very beginning, it was almost like I don't know if you remember it. It was it was almost like a the old school DVD menu where I had three choices, uh, uh, and that's how mine came to, to me. Mine and and, and it was almost. Um, you're how I found a hypnotism having not been hypnotized before other than that drum thing, which was different, um, yeah. uh, was kind of both being here and not here. Bilocated, we call it. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I, 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 what comes to mind to me is like almost remote viewing, you know, like you're kind of here and not here, you know. Um, so your mind was kind of like a DVD menu and uh, I guess you, you then got me to, ex- to describe those, which in my head it's almost like the thumbnail picture on each of the – DVD menu choices, um, which I think one was stars, one was a river, one was like a rock wall. Um, and then, yeah, you then kind of got me to pick which one I felt like I needed to go to. And then we zoomed in on each of those. And then, then at the end of it, it's like I came back to that DVD menu with the choices again, you know. Okay. Did we do all of them? Uh, yeah, we did the three that, that came. And then uh-huh. there, was the, there was an extra one as well, which kind of was a surprise, okay. I don't know, rationaliser at the end. So can you do you remember what happened in the past lives? Because most people are quite interested to know like what sort of things happen in a past life. 
how to say this without people that don't know me or what I am to think I'm a kook. Um, the the one the the first one that we went through, which was the the stars. Um, I'd had a extraterrestrial experience as a 13 year old boy, um, which I'd then blocked. I'd, I'd told my best friend at the time about a month later, and when he was staying over at my house, and he was freaked out, and I told him really visceral what had happened, and then I'd I'd buried that that kind of experience. It was a one off thing. It's not like that. I was you know in contact with aliens every week of my life or anything like that. It was a one-off thing that I remembered. Um, and I buried that until I was about 20 um, and literally not remembered it. And I remember I was driving driving home with my girlfriend, who's been our wife. And I turned to her and I said, hey, I just had this really weird thought. Like, I, rem- I just remembered this thing. And I burst down, kind of broke down in the car, pulled over with her and said, look, I, I don't even know if I'm just making this up, but I feel like this is exactly what happened when I was 13. And then I told my friend Tim. So then we then on, on speakerphone in the car, called up my friend Tim, who was still went to university with him. Um, I'm an accountant. He's a lawyer. So you couldn't get more <laughs> quote unquote grounded people. Um, and, um, uh, you know, we're not sitting around with tinfoil hats, not that I'm knocking tinfoil hats. Um, uh, but we called him and just said, hey, Tim, what did I tell you when I was a 13 year old boy that um, that freaked you out? Just didn't lead the question. Just asked him that. And then he just rattled off the exact stories that I just told it to Lauren. And okay. yes, yeah, so that had been buried for about eight years, seven years. That's that's evidence, isn't it? That's quite, that was helpful. He he specifically promised me that it would stand up in court, Karen. Did he? <laughs> I don't think we should go there, just the same. No. Anyway, so, so that was something that honestly had really, um, I, I don't want to say broken me, but. Affected you. Yeah. Like I, I was then, yeah, I couldn't sleep. As a teenager, I couldn't sleep over at any other location by my room, which I now would put down to it was post that event quite literally. I didn't have problems before that. So I think it really did. And then, therefore, obviously not forget, forgetting about it for those seven years or burying it made, I think, that bigger issue. But it definitely, yeah, broken's a strong word, but it was definitely with me in a, that freaked the hell and really created issues, I would say. Um, and not dealing with it as like a kid trying to rationalise what the hell has just happened for when as an adult you probably couldn't rationalise it. And I'd started to have a couple of more things in that regard. To be honest, in the lead into the aggression, I had I don't get these things weekly or anything like that. I had one in all of 2021, which is a pretty big one, um, uh-huh. is an interaction with these. And it just freaks the shit out of me, to be honest with you. It's, again, I've had a handful of these in my life and – yeah, it's it's terrifying, and I think that this first life of going to the stars, where you actually then explored that and were communicating with an extraterrestrial it, during the regression, you're talking about now. During the regression is where we. So went. you went back in communicating with one of the extraterrestrials, and did they explain? Did you get an explanation? So as a part of that of that regression, you took me back and effectively made me relive it all, um, and I think was. For me, anyway, a big part of that was making it okay that you were scared at the time. You're just a kid and you have no idea what the hell is going on. Well, nobody around you is telling you that those things can happen. Exactly right. They don't exist. No, you are now telling other people now through this podcast that these things can happen. No, it was a weather balloon, Karen. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but And it's not like anything traumatic happened. It was purely just a, a presence in my bedroom with a, a, you know, a window that would always be shut and the blinds closed was then open with moonlight streaming in and three beams there and just a state of complete paralysis and then um, literally couldn't move, couldn't yell anything, and then one came closer and then 
um, next morning I wake up and that's 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 literally the experience. So it's not like I recall, it's not like I'm getting probed or anything like that, but that's traumatic enough, you know, uh, yeah, for, for yeah. me it was anyway. Um, yeah. And um, so we relived that as a part of that regression. Um, and then after that you, and, and this one was really, really different compared to, um, I guess, how the regression felt when you then were communicating with, it was the the lead alien that walked closer. Uh, yeah, let's let's use the phrase extraterrestrial alien. It was the lead alien that you were then communicating with. I think to try to rationalise. Was I asking questions like? Yeah, I think the primary question was why. And for, for me, the the only other time that I've experienced something and, and in the regressions, this was very different to how the rest of the regression felt. This was back to that time when I was a nineteen year old napping at uni, where I've got this full voice in my head. And it's almost like just regurgitating. So that was the part that was when you're interacting and that was the the messages back. And that was extremely different to anything else I experienced in the regression, which is all internalized in me, if, you, if you're with me. This was an external boom. Um, and, yeah, so in terms of those questions, why, and this is, this is my own experience. It doesn't mean that this is what applies to everyone. Um, but in ours, it was predominantly around that basically almost trying to impart messages on kids at that period of time around predominantly climate change and how to treat a world was honestly the the key feedback we were getting. Yeah, that it was it was something to do with um, helping the planet eventually and being yeah, aware of it. just trying to, I think, impart a message on, you know, I presume there would have been a, a heap of children um, in, in imparting that message of importance around that and, you know, just almost mutual respect and a symbiotic relationship. So do you think it's possible then that maybe other people have got that message, other children have got that message, but maybe not remembered it, like because you blocked it out for a long time? Certainly. And I mean, hey, we've just had we've just had an election here in Australia where finally some Greens are getting voted in and stuff like That's that. Right. I mean, you know, who knows how many sleeper agents there are out there, Karen? <laughs> That's right. So, but you you were a bit more aware and so you actually remembered it and came out of it. To, to be fair, I forgot about it for seven years. Yeah, that's right. So how are you feeling about it now? Like that's what's important. Yeah, really good question. Um, I haven't actually had any uh, extraterrestrial experiences since the regression, which was something that I was intrigued by because I feel generally less fearful of it than what I did before going in. Yeah. Having said that, when you if it, when it's pitch black at night, 2 a.m., and you start getting you know the feeling that something's there and you look over, you know, uh, whenever that happens uh, here on in, who knows how I'll feel, but I feel like I've kind of let go that that fear element of, I guess, knowing why, because I didn't yeah. have that answer before. You just got an intruder in your room. Well, I think I think it'd be good if you realise that they they sound to me or my memory of it is that they're pretty friendly, you know, like they're, they're there to help and that's what their purpose is. And so I don't think there's any reason to be afraid of them. But... Uh, have you yeah. have you read read or or seen the movie Communion? Well, I think I mentioned to you in the podcast that really weirdly enough, like even though I'd gotten that confirmation from um, uh, my friend Tim, the lawyer, at the period of time of the thing, in my own head, I still doubt everything that is even re- legit. So I sent a big long email to Whitley Strieber. Um, oh yeah. Uh, at the time, saying, "Hey, this is literally what I remember. Does this sound legit to you, or am I just, you know, taking the piss? This is not legit." And he actually emailed me back. I mean, he was obviously the, the writer of community and he emailed me back saying, mate, Jeff, this 100% sounds like something 
like trust your instinct. This is what you've remembered. And that sounds very consistent with all the other stories I've ever seen or, or read and experienced myself. Um, and everyone experiences it differently. Um, and yeah, I guess that was not the necessarily always need external validation, but as you say, kind of referring back to the communion or the writer of it or just other experiences kind of, yeah, solidified yeah. That, that knowing that I already knew this had happened to me, you know. So now can I ask you, are you uh, environmentally minded? Uh, look, I've, I've always been very environmentally minded. So like even you know, going back three, four years, I started, like we've always composted. We I literally will uh, um, recycle the hell out of anything and we'll buy things in first principle and then compost it or feed it to chickens, that sort of stuff. That's always been kind of my jam. You know, and even as far as now, I ferment my meat bones and stuff using an inoculated bran, and then that breaks it down, so that doesn't even go into um, land. You know what I mean? So, yeah, certainly have always been that way, and and we live lead a very minimalist lifestyle, probably somewhat contradictory to my career. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah. yes, yes, we'd be the so same. Definitely, answer. you are. So that it's had an effect. Well, I mean, I think it's great you're sharing that because if anybody's listening who's had those experiences, it's a bit reassuring to know that 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 it was positive, you know, it's a positive thing happening and so much is happening to try and help the planet, I think. Yeah, yeah. So then you you had some other regressions too. Do you, are you okay with sharing yeah, a yeah. bit about what happened, those past lives really? like Yeah, so then that was obviously something that, like I, I certainly wasn't expecting to come to you and you regress me and deal with my alien <laughs> issues. Uh, that was not the idea. We just kind of went there. It, it happened organically. That wasn't my pre-planned or yours. Yeah. And then yeah, after that, we certainly went back into what I would call what I was expecting, um, but it all felt way different and probably more visceral or movie-like than what I was. I, I don't know what I was expecting, but, yeah, that was kind of if I wanted to say what shocked me was um, going through these. It's like there's things that felt like snippets of photos or images or just things that you knew and then other parts that were almost slightly more movie-like where you might get a two-second pan or something. It was my experience okay. of it. Um, and yes, after that, we went to, you know, back to the DVD choice menu. We've done the stars and then we went into, lo loaded into the stream of what it was. Yeah. And this one kind of, as I record anyway, it took a little while for us to unpack and was almost more slow scattered images coming in. It was our first one. Um, and we got images on a flag and then a person on horseback and then knowing that that was a samurai on horseback and that that wasn't a good flag. And then, um, quite quickly was the notion of, yeah, just being uh, sliced across the stomach. And um, and who were you? I was a, a, and I was a female, um, uh, late 20s. I was married, no kids. I, th I feel like late 20s, that kind of um, an age. Yep. Um, no kids. And of Japanese is my inference by the, by the samurai armour. And even just the location with the stream, it did feel like that anyway. Um, and, yeah, I was just down at this stream doing nothing, carrying on with my day, and then that occurred. And probably the thing that was I, I certainly wasn't expecting was then the full experience of that death. I definitely wasn't expecting to go through that in a past life regression. You know, not that I thought you were taking me on a candy ride going, oh, yeah, you were... You know, you were King Alfred the Great. Uh, we had a great time. Um, uh, but it literally, for me, I was laying, I remember I was laying on this mattress with my headphones on 
when you were regressing me because I moved interstate from you, which again surprised me that you could do that. But here we are, um, <laughs> uh, and I, I literally could feel my my guts pouring out and was experiencing that pain as that was happening now. So like I was rolling around on this mattress, clutching my stomach, ex- you know, experiencing that, which I was not expecting. Um, well, the most important thing is that did you pass over? Yeah. So then um, it all kind of went numb and just, uh, and then I, it's not like I saw spirit guides or anything like that, but the way I then experienced it when you, you then kind of coached me to then go over and kind of let go, um, was then I then saw what was my little Japanese grandmother was who I was then going across to and was the the knowing of that death and then we kind of released that. And um, and it's funny, actually, I haven't really quite rationalised what the meaning of that that death was in, in this life and maybe what I was experiencing yet. What, what I would suggest, if it's all right to suggest that, yeah, and yeah, maybe yeah. at the time, like during the regression, we're really just going through it and releasing stuff that needs to be released. Yeah. It may be that it was just so sudden and so shocking that she hadn't fully passed over. Yeah, and I think probably and the only thing afterwards that I've kind of, and I think I may have mentioned this thing as well, um, the weird one was that when I was born, I had a, a full mass infection on um, uh, all around my umbilical area, which is where I was sliced. Um, to the point where as like a three-month-old baby, they had to fully make a 10-centimeter incision across my stomach and remove everything and put in a new fake belly button. And I found that as a – I'm oh. not 100% saying that that's linked, but I have read um, – when I picked up one of my wife's books, I did read an interesting thing around physical manis- manifestation of prior lives. Um, yeah. So who knows, maybe, or maybe, as you say, it was just a quick quick life that needed well, to be released. Well, I've got this theory, and it's in my book, Lost Soul, Wise Soul. And in that book, I've got this theory from all the experiences I've had that when we haven't passed over properly, like fully passed over and accepted our death, that we're sort of in a bit of a suspended state. And when you come back in another life, that sort of connects, like you sort of I'm not saying every life, but you can can connect with that. And it seems to me that that's probably what happened then. As you've been born, you've connected with that experience and it's yeah, manifested right. in that way. And, well, we I just trust, as you know, I'm not telling you where to go. Like those things pop into your mind and in, in the regression, whatever pops in, we go with. And so those things came up for you, those three different like images, and we went into that one. I just believe then that we were doing a release that needed to be done yeah. for yep. you to get on with your life without having any of that baggage anymore. Yep. That's it's pretty fair. interesting that we carry over, we seem to carry over this stuff from lifetime to lifetime, and sometimes we carry it over to teach us something, and sometimes it's just the shock of the death. So that's why you went through the death. Like some people might think, gosh, do I have to go through a death? Well, it wasn't particularly pleasant going through it, but it didn't last very long, did it? No, and the other, the other, the other two lives that we kind of went through, um, there was—I I don't even think there was a death in one, and then the other one didn't wasn't like that. If that makes sense. So yeah, that was—it's a fair point. I'm intrigued by what you just said. Tell us about those two, if you're okay with that, because they're pretty. Yeah. So then after that, we then came back to the DVD menu after I think you, you know almost stayed in purgatory or the black. It was just blackness. I remember after we went through that life, it was it was pretty traumatic. The old yeah. um, experiencing that death. Um, uh, so I remember we went back to blackness and we were just sitting there for a while, and then eventually it's almost like I went back to that. DVD menu again with the three things, the stars, which we've done, and then the stream, which we'd then done. And the only thing remaining was like the the stone stone wall. Um, so we zoomed in on that and went in there. And this is just how my head experienced it. And then delved into that life, which was an interesting 
kind of thing, and it's uh, where I was a um, a like a very very minor noble dude in Burgundy, so not not anyone big, just a random guy that's basically got a little keep. Um, and in that, uh, I think he he was someone who had inher- in, inherited this kind of minor minor lordship from from an uncle and hadn't expected it. So it's not like he was built for that role and had all these duties and people that were depending on him. And again, no one massive, but it'd be like having 50, 50 people depending on him in this key element and just how that effectively consumed him. Um, and that responsibility of just feeling completely and utterly responsible for the, for the well-being of these 50 people. And I think it was in that job, he did a good job in that life. He did a good job of that in the sense that um, everyone was well provided for. It was a happy place, but I think it was one of those times at, at what expense and that notion of feeling like you had to do everything yourself, which is probably something professionally that kind of rung true. Not that I micromanage or anything like that, but just that even just the simple feeling that this is on you. you the know? heaviness, the burden. Heaviness, yeah. It doesn't mean you're then going through actually doing anything, but just the notion that you are 100% accountable for everything, is, or whether that's true or not, that feeling. You know? It sounds like you in that life, he, you, the Lord, took it very, very seriously. His responsibilities, y- yes, and to the point where he didn't, he didn't partner. Um, and yeah, I think he put everything above um, himself. Would be the the feeling. Not, not that makes him anything. You know, that was just I think the the key message or lesson from that from that life, and to probably. You know, this is now my spin on it is to relax into things a little bit and trust and not feel like you have to do everything. Yeah. And so that is a bit of a theme. Is is it is that part of it, do you think? You mentioned earlier about being almost trapped, like self-trapped, I guess, into yeah, yeah. the work you do. And is that a, the same feeling, this responsibility feeling? Certainly. Um, because even um, th- that's kind of been a slight reframe that's occurred since since seeing you. And even in the lead, you know, I had to book in five months in advance to see you. And even I'd say between that time of booking in and when I saw you, my reframe had started to almost occur on those sorts of things in terms of feeling less responsible for individual people. Good. And, that, and that's not to say that my world's been shaken upside down and everything's completely different and I'm on a beach in Hawaii. Uh, not that much has changed. <laughs> not but, yet. But, yeah. But I think the reframe has definitely occurred, though, where the day-to-day might not have occurred, but that weight, I feel like, has been lightened marginally at the least. Well, that's, that's a positive. I think that was a message that really rung true, particularly with this life in the sense that something I feel like I've definitely carried forward because that would, in a nutshell... That would sum- summarise why I came to see you as this feeling of heaviness, entrapment, feeling like you can't do something or why can't I leave this thing? Okay. So you're still on that journey but you, you're you starting to lighten up a bit. Yeah. And then um, and then I think we kind of zoomed out of that and went to a bit of blackness. I can't, to be honest with you, I can't actually recall if we experienced a de- death in that life. I, I feel like it was just a passing over type thing. I don't recall it being a big experience of note in the regression. Yeah, yep. And then, um, and then after that, I think you're basically seeking context, and we're kind of just messing around um, in terms of digesting some stuff in terms of what that meant and how I might have brought that into this life. And yeah. then we kind of had the surprise packet next regression, which I think was almost like I said to try to contextualize and put put some rationality around what the hell was that other life and why am I feeling that sense of responsibility even then? Um, where we then went back, and I was like a um, a young kid. No, no age known, 
like in, if I deploy a modern metric, maybe a kid of like 10 or 11 yep. um, who was living caveman times if that's a, such a such a time period, but, you know, maybe, maybe 15,000 BC or something like that. Um, and his two parents and a, and a baby had passed away and this kid didn't, which was me, um, I didn't know how to, I, I couldn't hunt. Strangely enough, I think we're talking about hunt, hunting saber-toothed tigers with multiple people yeah. and by my by myself, the exact hunting method that I'd learned, I couldn't mimic. And then I didn't know how to gather the tubers that my mum used to gather. And so I basically withered away to and died because you didn't know what to do, or you sort well, you sort of knew what needed to be done, but it couldn't. You didn't know enough about how to do it, and you can't, of course. I think hunting saber tooth tooth tigers is uh, imagine would be a uh, hazardous occupation. Well, I think it's a, a, a group <laughs> group exercise. I yeah, went to exercise. the museum in uh, Los Angeles. Did you know there's a saber tooth uh, museum there? Or Oh, cool! In, in LA, so when you go to LA, you, you better go I there. Hit that! <laughs> it's pretty interesting because that's what they found a whole lot of. Uh, yeah, right. A lot of them there, and I think that's around about the time frame too. Around what you said, I can't remember exactly, but it's not that long ago that they did exist. You know, like fifteen thousand years might be right. But yeah. anyway, that was pretty traumatic that you had died a death like that, where you've died without having knowledge. You could see that that could propel you in a later life to want to seek knowledge and information yeah and and also you know that probably where where i landed on it too you're 100 right in terms of knowledge information and the ability to do things but then that notion of self-reliance that if something's not going to that something may not happen if you don't do it yeah that's right self-reliance and and then and maybe the lord the lord's life came would have probably come after that where you uh felt that responsibility for you, for other people as well yeah. especially because you lost your family in that one too. So that was pretty traumatic then in its own way. Did you pass? Did we pass over in that one? We did. We did. And um, and that one, again, referring back to that that Japanese life that we kicked off with, this one was very different. You know, that was almost so traumatic and quick and I felt everything, whereas this one was almost like a huddled up in a cave slipping away and it felt I'm not gonna say nicer, but I just let go, you know. And there was there was um again, I didn't have spirit guides or anyone like that greeting. It was then the the parents that I had in that lifetime that were greeting me. Okay. And that's that's quite often they were there. So that's that's a positive as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like I had, you know, old mate British lumberjack greeting me or anything like that. Uh, as a <laughs> as a spirit guide. It was just the actual physical people that I knew were the parents. And I think that does happen. We hear people speaking to their relatives sometimes when they're dying. Yeah, okay. So now that you've died, like it's several lifetimes, like you've re re-experienced that. How do you feel about like I'm just wondering, how do you feel about death and dying me and my wife have always had a pretty open viewpoint on this sort of stuff and we 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 certainly feel i feel like almost if you if you're not prepared to die obviously we're all going to die but um that comfort around death always stems from i think fear of not living your life to the fullest and it's not not that i've i've mastered that but like i know for a fact now our real tight little unit we've got a really strong relationship and bond and that doesn't mean i want to die tomorrow but like there's not much more I could have done within the realms of human activity to have improved that. So I, I think it definitely reflects though to make sure that you keep on those tracks, whatever's important to you, you know. So yeah, yeah. if there's a scenario of, you know, choosing work or going watching your daughter do some dancing, 
go watch your daughter do dancing and who cares? The work will sort itself out. And I think that was a big thing that even um, when me and you were talking, that that viewpoint of just putting trust that it'll happen. Yeah. It'll work out. Just putting that trust out there, just relax. It'll sort it out. (laughs) Um, so, So I think just really trying to reflect on that which again is not something that I've mastered in any way, shape or form, but just kind of keeping that track of making those choices is probably the biggest thing that this all reflects on you because, you know, you never know when you're going to go. Well, it's, it's already on your mind. Like, you know, you're quite quite aware of that. And I suppose we don't know when we're going to go, but the likelihood that you've got quite a long time, you're pretty young, you've still got a lot of life left in you. But um... Saber-tooth tiger hunt, uh, hunting accident. <laughs> Never know. That's uh, right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, well, it, I think what you're saying there is you when you do go, what, what it's taught you anyway, doing some of those regressions, it's made it clearer to you to make sure you've got no regrets, you know, like the, by the yeah. time you go, you're looking back and you're feeling satisfied with your life. And I think that's what we want. That's what we want. And it's easy to go when we feel like that. Yeah, and, and often when you're um, when you have people passing over, Karen, is it, is it that experience where people are being like who's when you're regressing people, I'm not suggesting everyone's always dying and experiencing deaths. Um, otherwise you'd be pretty sad job. Um, but well, there are uh, quite a few deaths. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Everyone's <laughs> dying. Uh, are people going to spirit guides or are they consistent guides or are they, you know, as like in my experience, it was family members that you're kind of going towards. Like what are you typically well, you go into You go into pe- a lot of people go to peace. Like once you've let go, look, the guides have said, during the regressions, they've said to me, death is beautiful, right? Death is beautiful. Now, that death that you had as that woman, like that wasn't because you hadn't fully passed over. It's too shocking. But yeah, they right. say death is beautiful. And I sort of said to them, hang on, what about a traumatic death? And they say, now all death is beautiful. And I thought about it and I thought, I think what they mean is that when you actually let yourself die, like accept the death, so it's about acceptance, acceptance and letting go. Then it's beautiful because most people go in like you meet, like you did, your family or whatever, and it's, you start have that light, light feeling. It's a, a release, you know, like we're, we're, we're restricted and bound and limited in our physical bodies and now we're expanded. So I think that's what they meant. But, yeah, that's what the reason we're doing these deaths in the regressions is to release. I always say we're going in and out the other end and that's what's important. Yeah, sure, we're going in, but we're going out as well. Yeah, okay. It's actually, yeah, so fully let go. Yeah, and we're gathering information in the meantime. If you haven't let go in a previous life, that's playing out in your current life in some way. And you'll know, like of the people who are listening, you'll know if you, you're carrying some of that, you'll get a sense of it, and that's when it would be useful to do a regression because the reason for the regressions then is when you're going back and having that death, you know, when you had that death, the, the one that was the most traumatic, you've got somebody there with you talking to you yeah. while you're, you're not alone, and that helps. Um, I, had a, I had one many years ago before I even believed in spirituality where I was in a cyclone. And I just, I couldn't even work, you know, like it was coming to me. It was so close to the surface yeah, right. that it was, I didn't know it was a cyclone. I just felt this this feeling of complete dread. And when I lay down, I thought, oh, I'm going to die. I don't care. I'm sick of it. You know, I was hanging around. I actually went, it was a cyclone and I died in the cyclone. But I didn't know that at the time because I didn't believe in anything. <laughs> so I actually had that experience. But I would rather do it with somebody there than what I did that time and think I was dying. No, absolutely, because, I mean, even just that experience is in the Japanese and the extraterrestrial, and for me, working through that with someone would 
obviously get you into a better space in dealing with it and rationalizing it than either burying it or trying to deal with it yourself, right? Yeah, so it sounds to me like like you've gone given a good description of how it unfolded for you. Like we went, you went through all of those, and then yeah, and you passed over, and you got the information about that your purpose is to, like you said, watch your daughter dancing, like be involved in things and not take it all too seriously. And you're on yeah. that journey. That's your journey yeah. is to do that. And I think you said in the regression, I remember you saying something about it being a habit. Yeah, I think a, ha- a habit to constantly almost, I think, feel that seriousness or responsibility and weight, I think, is what. Become a habit. That's your default setting. Yeah, you know, default almost. setting. And then it's overcoming that and realising that you can yeah. relax more and, and everything's going to be okay. And and I'm, I'm and you're on that journey, obviously, at the moment yeah. still. We, we had a quick chat beforehand and, yeah, it's definitely a journey. It's a work in progress, you know, but, you know, you, you make enough small choices and all of a sudden, the amount of grains in the sand and the bucket are adding up, you know. It's kind of how I'm experiencing it anyway. You know, you make a few. Do you think it's just trusting that things are going to be okay? Yeah, I think it's trusting yourself, uh, trusting that things will be okay, which is beyond you. And then I think almost just um, protecting yourself a little bit more as well, you know, being kind to you. Ah, getting that balance. In in, in my scenario because, yeah. God, it's not like I'm with Mahatma Gandhi or anything like that, but it's like it, I almost view it as being like a tap, you know, like there was too much going out one end and not enough yeah. to the other side or staying in the bucket, you know? Yeah, that's balanced. Balanced is, yeah. it's this thing about balance, of, uh, which is service to self and service to others. Yeah, and okay. You're, and you're not much much good at serving others anyway if you're not serving yourself, you know, like we've got to fill yeah, okay. that cup up first. So you're just getting that balance right. That's your process. Yeah, which is I think the work in progress still got to work on. Um, yeah, well, we're all on that one. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people in the helping professions are on that one as well. True. So I think that's a bit to be aware of. You know, we we want to get that balance right, not be too selfish, but not be too giving where we're giving too much of ourselves away. Do you feel that being aware of it obviously is the first? Do you, is it the first step, and then that makes most of the difference? Or definitely, and also asking for help. And then examining what you're doing and how much you're doing. You know, like I've mm. got a bit of that responsibility. Writing the books that I write, I felt that I have to help people by writing the books. Well, I'm mm. having a bit of a break at the moment, but I probably keep doing that, but I might do it a lot more in a lot more relaxed way, you know. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so I think you've got the same thing. You might keep doing what you're doing, but you must, might be more relaxed about it. Yes, yeah, and that, that's just it because it's not like I've I've left this regression going. No worries, I'm I'm going to completely change this and just surf and grow vegetables in my garden. <laughs> um, you know, that's not what this has been. But as you say, it's just kind of continuing on this path that you are in, yeah, but in a in a different fashion, reframe or whatever it might be. Yeah, so it's okay. Grow vegetables, go and surf, but you know, have the balance with the other yeah. as the work that you do as well. But I'm sure you'll get there. Like you know, that's what it's about, and I'm. And you're being guided anyway. We know that. So I think you've really um, done a great job of explaining this to us. And I'm wondering if this is the last questions I ask at the end. Is you didn't mention that you were surprised. Is there anything else that surprised you? Like when you're thinking back to the experience of it all. Yeah, I think first and foremost the the fact that you could hypnotize me digitally definitely surprised me. Um, we were not face to face and. Um, you definitely lulled me into that state um, successfully. Well, you, we, I don't actually hypnotise you. You hypnotise yourself. I just create 
the circumstances to help you. The environment. But the fact that you already had those experiences means that you're probably going to be a very like an easy subject because you've already had, you know, some of those experiences and you're very open. You know, people, it's it's a tricky thing because you've got to be relaxed and trusting to be hypnotized. Or, right. or to allow yourself to hypnotize yourself, but we do it to ourselves, really. So yeah. if there's any other hypnotists out there looking for an easy, easy subject, you let me know. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so that was probably the biggest thing that surprised me. And then after that, how how visceral was that that particular first death? I certainly wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting to feel physical pain in that hole. Yeah. Uh, what was the phrase you used earlier of um, the not duplicity, but the feeling of both here and not here? Oh, it's bilocated. Yeah, bilocated. That thing, uh, that pain was across both, which was the weird bit for me. Yeah, so you were you were there. It was ha- coming through physically yeah. as well, but it yeah. did when you were born. You see what I mean? Like it sounds like it was very strong. I'm really glad we released that. You don't really need that, and yeah, I know so, it was a bit traumatic to do it, but I, you're going to be a lot better off having let that go. That was the um the the two things that definitely shocked me about it, and obviously it was an overall really positive experience, and you feel. I feel clarity or comfort yeah. or reframe afterwards. But, yeah, those are the two biggest things that shock me. Yeah, yeah. well, that, it is interesting. People do have, can feel things so real. Well, you know, maybe this is a virtual reality anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anything else you want to add before we uh, close this off? I mean, look, if someone's already listened to your podcast, I'm sure they know who you are. But as someone who's not, don't want to say, sceptical and obviously carrying you 100% of the goods is probably the other things I want to add. Um, uh, I, I don't know if there's many charlatans in this game, having not been hypnotized or anything like that. But yeah, it was it was a really positive experience um, that you you assisted with, Karen. Oh, I don't know if there's charlatans or not, but I would say there's people at different levels of experience, you know. Yeah. And I think that anybody, if you were you somehow you were attracted to come to me, you know, what I mean, like that, yeah. and that was right. And other people might find others that are feel right for them, you know. It, yeah, I just yeah, trust, yeah. I trust that. And I always say, if you're meant to do one of these regression things, you'll get the nudge. You'll get the feeling. And that's kind of how I felt where I've messed around with this many times years and years ago, but never did anything. And then, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden it's just, now yeah, I'm going to go do it. You know? Yeah, and, it's that nudge. Um, and you keep getting the nudge if you keep ignoring it eventually. Yeah, exactly right. So when I'm still feeling responsible. So, Jeff, thanks so much for doing this and, and sharing your experience with people because that's what I'm about here. It's helping people understand what it's like and, and spreading the word that it's important when they've got things that, You've had some things that can be resolved by coming for a regression to me or other people. It's worthwhile. So thank you for your contribution to that. Certainly. No, thank, thank you, Karen. Okay. We'll say goodbye then. Cheers. Thanks, mate. See ya. Bye. for tuning in today. Please feel free to access my website, lifebetweenlivesregression.com.au for much more information about past lives and life between lives. You also might want to tune in to my Twitter and my Instagram account and my Facebook page, Karen Joy Author. On my website, you will find case studies explored in depth in my blogs and in my books, and locate other useful information and resources. Thank you for listening.